being here. And yeah, what are the, uh, you said, did you say there was a, did you say it was a five part podcasting course or a five hour? Uh, it was five days, an okay. hour a day. What are the other, so what are, what are the other, what are the other tips? Because what you just told me was to shut down the computer okay, beforehand. Me, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. My absolute best tip. Okay. Uh, yeah, it would be really neat if, if your guests knew these tips. Yeah. The, the biggest tip that I walked away with is you really don't want your podcast interrupted because of, you know, competing bandwidth problems. And so, you know, I think a lot of people know that you should turn off every other program. Mm -hmm other than Zoom or whatever you're podcasting in. But the bigger one is, it's also a really good idea to shut your computer completely down as an off and then turn it back on again. Okay, now why? And the answer is almost uh, every program that you use has a little bit of a ghost of memory in it. Mm -hmm. And for example, I don't know if you experience, but what I experience, supposing you're using Word, uh, you've had the computer on for a while, Word just blasts open the moment you need it. But if you've had your computer off, it's kind of slow. It takes a while to grind into uh, into being fully available. Yeah. And the reason it can do it rapidly after you've had the computer on a while is because there's this ghost-like memory using up resources in the background. And that's just wonderful, unless you're on a podcast. If you're on a podcast and you need, you don't want to be at risk of, of of a bandwidth problem and get rid of absolutely everything. So the, the great big point there is if you're going to be on a podcast, turn everything off maybe 20 minutes before you turn it before you're on. Yeah. So you don't have all this ghost resources. Yeah. And then, okay. And then something else that uh, it would be just wonderful for all your guests to know. And it's the following that your currency, whether the guest knows it or not, is the approval, this, the, this social approval. So if you're a guest, the most polite thing you can do in the world is go to your hosts, uh, like the whoever is doing it, like Apple, I think it's Apple in your case, mm -hmm. uh, or, or wherever, and rate the program. Give it a nice, great, big, fat oh. five. Yeah, okay. Because, because the more approval that you get, kind of the higher you rate in the search rankings and mm -hmm. just... Plus, it's, it's darn good for your ego. You yeah. put all this effort into it. You know, why not at least have people recognize it? Yeah. So to be a good podcast guest thanks their host in the following form. They review and give a five star and then preferably say something really nice about the host. Yeah, yeah. God, so that, God that's will. That's the etiquette that I think everybody ought to know. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I always love it when I have guests on. I can see when they comment afterwards because nothing looks weirder than when you have an episode up and there's just no comments and it just looks like a graveyard. It's it's very weird, yeah. But yeah, I have past guests, well, including you, who comment and I'm always so excited. Yeah, but, but the person teaching this course was just saying, your, your, your host has done an awful lot for you. Mm -hmm. And just the least you can do is show appreciation. Yeah. And so podcast etiquette, if you're a guest, publicly thank your host by saying something nice. And preferably, you don't make it look as if he put you up to it. No, uh, say something from the heart. Yeah. yeah. Is that cool? Yeah, it is. It's part in, yeah, that, yeah, that's, you'd think I would have taken an etiquette course before I started this podcast, but here I am. <laughs> 
216 episodes in, and I, I just in the last week moved my router right up next to the laptop so the internet connection is better. So if you can't tell, uh, you know, I'm not exactly, I just kind of started this thing and learned as I went. But Okay, then another another piece of, of, of podcast post, uh, etiquette. And, you know, our listeners can judge other people mm-hmm. by whether they follow this or not. Mm-hmm. It's really bad form to monologue for too long if you're a guest. Uh, it's supposed to be interactive because presumably the the listeners tuned in for because they like you, not okay. because they like your guest. I mean, okay. I hope they like your guest, but honest, they tuned in because of you. And so it's really bad form to monologue. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't look at it. I, I guess I should. I don't look at it from that point of view. I look at it from my point of view. I hear myself monologuing every day. So and so. No, but you're yeah. entitled. Remember, they like you. They're there for you. And there, there are times when a monologue. I mean, if somebody's got some really, really yeah. riveting story, like me, for example. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Then, then of course, monologuing is fine. Yes. Yes. Well, well, that's exactly the example I was going to use. Because I don't listen to my own podcast because. I just hate listening to myself talk because I'm saying stuff I already know, my own opinions, my own internal monologue vocalized. But some episodes I do listen to, Rob Manning as well as yours. I've listened to both of those about three times since I did them because it feels more like I'm listening to a guest than listening to myself talk. So Rob Manning or yourself talking about the Atocha, like I listened to that like intently like I was listening to someone else's podcast. So yeah, so with that... That's what I want to hear about. I want to completely go against what you said. I want to hear you monologue. I want to hear another story. But on the other hand, uh, tell me if I did this. I hope I did, but I don't remember whether I did or not. Did I ask permission to tell a story that would take a few minutes? Yeah, I think so. I hope I did. I, I think so. I because I, I would, yeah, you would say, at one point I said, that's beautiful. And you said, okay, if we're in agreement that that's beautiful, let me tell you another one. And I was like, okay. So I think it was like a, an informal request and approval. Okay, because uh, you know the rule that I said, which is that it's it's supposed to be interactive rather than the guest monologuing. Uh, if if the host gives you permission to tell a long story, then eh, everybody's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. But and then in your case, it's just like I feel like I don't need to give permission. And you're telling a story about a about a sixty nine carat uh, uh, jewel, and it's like I don't have. No one else on this podcast tells stories about going to Taiwan and getting and getting, you know, you know, fist size jewels. So that's yeah, I kind of let that. I don't want to stop that. That's what. Yeah. So the Atocha or the necklace. So with that, I need to hear another story. Another story. Yes, ma'am. Let's see. Do, do we want it on trafficking or do we want it on, uh, on like success tips or t- tell me what you want me to to tell stories about. I think I would like to set aside a whole episode for success tips, but seeing as how today's one's curtailed, can I hear another human trafficking? All right, go for it. I think a lot of people don't really have any clue what makes a woman stay trafficked. I mean, you think since it's the most awful experience in the world, and since the trajectory of life for somebody who's trafficked is they're probably not going to live longer than seven years mm-hmm. and it's going to be a drug overdose or disease or or murder for organ harvesting i mean well that's true are you realize are you aware that in 
in China, it's a billion dollar a year industry. Oh, I know organ organ harvesting is. I guess I never. I know the Uyghurs, the two million Uyghurs in concentration camps. But these are this is people traveling to China for organ transplants. And I didn't know that. It's a billion dollars a year. It's it's just spectacular. I mean, I'm even aware of one guy who told me that that he had gone there for an organ transplant, and like. I'm not sure of the numbers, but it, I'm, I'm going to be directionally accurate, even if I wouldn't swear to this in court. But I, I'm certain that I'm that these numbers are direct, directionally accurate. That for the organ transplant that he needed, the first seven didn't take, the eighth one did take. He's you know he's alive and well, but he said there's no possibility that you would have seven complete matches for his somewhat rare blood type and whatever else you need, unless they got it fresh oh, that, in other words murdering people to get their organs that is that's insane that well i want more people to know about this yes yes Let's and by the way it. china's not going to love me for talking about this well, hey you know what china's not going to like me either i have an american flag so you know what but hey we're we're here in oh, america and speaking of which uh let's share with our audience what happened because let, of our last one let us let us. So I tried to run an advertisement. Mitzi, may I monologue for a minute? Would you please? I tried to yeah, run it. I tried to run an advertisement. I'd never run an advertisement for this podcast. And I did um, a couple episodes ago with the ex Delta Force guys talking about civil unrest. Great. It worked. You know, I normally get a subscriber every three days. I got like 100 in a day. I was like, awesome. Let's choose another one. Mitzi Purdue talking about human trafficking. Boom. Let's do it rejected within a couple minutes and i was like okay maybe it's you know there's they have all these weird stipulations but i was like all right whatever i'll try to just run it in america or i can run it in brazil wherever and i kept trying all these different combinations of running all over the world 18 to 65 0 to 18 men women conservative liberal everything i tried and finally i just tried like anywhere like the easiest just find a place that will stick and it kept saying rejected and it said it's because it's a social issue with the uh, with a probability of of influencing an election, but I oh. didn't. Yeah, but I didn't. I think they cracked down in like the month leading up to the election. I think it's a new thing they're doing. But we didn't say anything. I mean, I, I no, I, we didn't. Do my best not to get political because I, I want everybody to love me. Yeah, rather yeah than right. Meekly, I'm half the audience hate me. Yeah. Well, I know. So, I, and I avoided that too. That episode, but which made me think: one, that's not political. But two, I just had an episode with a bunch of right-leaning Delta Force guys, and they let that one run, no problem. So I was like, okay, maybe something's messed up. Whatever. Maybe I'll switch around the wording of it. You know, and it kept saying like rejected. This is a social issue, or this is a political issue. And I kept thinking, what is political about raising money for human trafficking? And finally, someone watched it and said, well, Mitzi did talk about going to Taiwan. And China doesn't even recognize Taiwan. If everyone listening remembers in January when the WHO was talking about responses all over the world, the, the, the anchor asked about China, this is what China did, blah, 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 blah. What about Taiwan? And the guy walks away and he comes back and he goes, sorry, I didn't hear you. And he goes, I asked about Taiwan. And the guy goes, anyway, China. And he just glosses over Taiwan like it doesn't exist. Well, you mentioned Taiwan and simply acknowledging Taiwan is verboten, is it's taboo. So to, to really, I told you about that and I was like, well, let me just, let me just confirm my, my bias. So I tried to run a couple more, you know, Mike Durant. I tried to run, um, Mel, Mel Evanesian, who's a female weightlifter. 
tried to run a couple, they all went through. I was like, cool. Brigadier General Robert Spaulding, author of Stealth War, about China's war against the United States. Tried to run that one within a couple minutes. Boom. Rejected. Political. Trying to influence elections. Wow. I can only imagine that it seems like the CCP has got their uh, dirty little fingers in Facebook. I don't know. What do you think? And, and, and boy, now it's going to get political. Well, now, yeah, well, we can steer clear. I'll let you you guide the you guide the conversation. I don't don't. Well, we've, we do. we've we've mentioned Taiwan already. Well, we've yeah. already there, so I'm already blocked. Yeah, well, we're, we're already shadow banned in China, so I just accept that as a fact. Okay, maybe I, I won't go into I. I'm going to say this jokingly, but it's a joke that okay. I'm fond of. You, Tommy Carrigan, are speaking to, from role a certified professional conspiracy theoretician. I didn't know that. I love you even more. <laughs> okay, well now let me tell you how I got that title. Okay. I gave myself the certification. <laughs> I gave myself a little test and certified myself. And then for professional, I paid myself a dollar. <laughs> so now I'm a certified professional conspiracy theoretician. All right, well, hey, you're legal now. <laughs> but, you know, many a truth is said in jest. Um, I'm totally ready to believe at least some conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Human nature almost dictates that people who can get together and quietly do things that they shouldn't probably will. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's Joe. In fact, let's, let's steer back to trafficking again. Okay. Because I want you to wish me luck on something. Okay. Uh, I want to give a TED Talk on human trafficking. Oh, Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the ability to do it yet. So I'm giving myself half a year to study. Okay. I've hired a TED Talk to coach and I'm about to hire a voice coach. And between the two of those and half a year of effort, uh, I'm going to give a really bang up TED Talk. But you, you audition for it, so there's no guarantee that you'll, you'll get it. But I want to I want to share with the world that there's a lot we can do about human trafficking that's not widely known yet. Okay. And I call it the evil equation. And here's the evil equation. And, and I invented this this morning. <laughs> uh, the evil equation is that if you have enormous profits and no accountability or no penalty, that's going to explain the absolute exponential growth of human trafficking. Yeah. And it's a $150 billion a year industry. My God, it's just, no, let's see, tra uh, organ, tra organ harvesting is a billion dollar a year. This is $150 billion a year. There are, the United Nations says there are more than 40 million people who are human slaves today. And it comes about because of the evil equation. And the evil equation again is high profits, no deterrence equals explosive growth growth. And so what do you do about it? If if all the motivations are there, you know, just insane profits. I mean $150 billion? Yeah. That's yeah, that it's no I small sum. That that may be somewhere around half of what we spend for education in the United States. I would um, say it's probably more. Okay, I don't, I don't know. I'm just get that this is me as an impression maker, okay. okay. not, okay. not me as okay. a statistician. Okay, but 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 the amounts of are are just crazy. 
So what, what, how can you interrupt the evil equation of a huge motivation? You know, the, the cost benefits are just, the, the benefits are enormous and your chances of doing jail time are one in a hundred. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, if you can make, a, a guy from the NYPD, New York Police Department told me that, and I mentioned this last time, that if you have a girl, no, sorry, if you have four girls and you're a trafficker, you can you can make a million dollars a year tax free, and and it's actually better than drugs because you can sell the girl over and over again, and you don't have to cultivate her, you don't have to weed her, you don't have to process her. No, she just comes in and delivers you money every night, or or you threaten her. Well, so the the profits are enormous, but your chances as a trafficker of doing jail time are one in a hundred hmm. or less, and this is globally. Well, there, there are two answers to, to this. One is to attract the, attack the profit side. And I just heard of something that Microsoft did. And, and here's the deal. And it's, to my mind, a prototype of what we could do to really make an impact on throwing sand in the gears yeah. of trafficking. And yeah. it's the following. I'm going to tell you uh, something quick about Microsoft, and then I'll tell you how it applies to trafficking. Several years ago, 10, 20, whatever, Microsoft was having a simply horrendous problem with counterfeiters. That is people who would take their intellectual property and use it and not pay anything for it. And they were just siphoning siphoning off tremendous amounts of money. Well, they hired a guy, his name's Gary Miller, whose specialty is international fraud. And they said, would you please you know, catch these guys. But he said, that's ineffective. I mean, this is him talking to Microsoft. That's ineffective because you're up against a whack-a-mole situation. Mm -hmm. You stop this counterfeiter, somebody else springs up and then somebody else. I mean, you're you're playing whack-a-mole. He said, what you really want to do is take away the economic incentive. And he said, what I propose that you do, Microsoft, and he actually did do this, is we trace the money to the banks and we tell the banks uh, this money really belongs to Microsoft. So the counterfeiter has been spending vast amounts of energy and effort making money, but once it's in the bank, whoop, it's it's illegal money. Yeah. And, uh, and his the uh, Gary Miller's approach is, I think if I can remember it right, it's freeze sees and there's some third part that I can't remember but but what he what he would do is whenever somebody was making money off of counterfeiting uh, he'd find their banks he'd show the bank the 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 records showing that basically this is illegal money mm-hmm. and he'd give the bank a choice the choice is we would like you to return this money to Microsoft and you know we can absolutely prove it and I, I don't know the legality of it but uh, Gary is a lawyer, so I presume that everything was in the up and up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he'd, he'd go to the bank and he'd say, you know, here's the evidence we have against you that this money really belongs to Microsoft. And you have a choice. We will name and shame you or help Microsoft in this problem. Yeah. Well, Microsoft has said that this was the most effective uh, anti-counterfeiting program that they had ever had. Okay. Because what you do is, uh, you know, 
why are the counterfeiters doing it? They're doing it to make money. You make it so that they're not making money and uh, th their motivation is gone. And so what if we could do the same thing with trafficking? Okay. When you have $150 billion, $150 billion, well, that's going through banks. You know, nobody's carrying around $150 billion yeah. on his back. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. They, they have to use banks. And there's some... This is somewhat recent, but our ability to, to track things in the dark web and to find people, it's military-grade skills that are, are available in the hands of these international fraud detector people. Yeah, yeah. And what, what if we could do the same thing for trafficking, just interfere with the profit motive by, you know, you've, you've made your million dollars in New York and... You, you can't spend a million dollars easily unless you're in some way banked. Yeah. Um, what if we have ways of absolutely tracking? Yeah. And, and the sophistication for doing this is just beyond imagination. But I bet all your Navy SEALs guys and all your uh, special ops guys know that there's stuff out there where you really can do this and uh, snatch from the bank their yeah. money. Yeah cool is it's awesome is it and you think that's a viable way to go against human trafficking uh it's a part i mean okay. there's there, there's so many there's so many parts to this extraordinarily complex problem but i i want to give a ted talk in which in which i talk about the evil equation okay and again you know i, I was working on it this morning i mean that phrase came to me this morning the evil equation and to, to repeat the, the evil equation is uh high profits no deterrence equals uh, human trafficking. Yeah, it's... But yeah. There, there, there's there's two... I mean, as, as I said, there are many parts to this, and there, but there are two that I'd like to go after that I think if we went after them on a bigger scale than, than is happening right now, as in I don't think it's happening much at all now. Mm -hmm. But what if we could get... I, I want to give... Oh, forgive me for being presumptuous, but... But why not think big? I yeah. mean, Frank Purdue used to say, go big or go home. Yeah. So yeah. here's my big thinking. What if with half a year of coaching and half a year of voice training and research and, and reaching out to every expert that I can to get the most current, fabulous information, maybe some great stories that go, would go with it. What if I could give a, a, a talk that, and this is the think big or go home, or go big or go home. Uh, what if it could be viral? What if what if people would sort of rise up and demand mm -hmm. that we do more of this? Mm -hmm. It could it could make a dent. It absolutely could. Uh, and there, there's more to it. And you're hearing me just at the beginning of this journey. Sure. sure. Uh, but the the second part to to what I want to do is the first part is interfere with the profits, and that's this business of seize and freeze, or maybe it's freeze and seize. Freeze, uh, yeah. But, but in any case, get the banks to return the profits. Yeah. Because by the way, bank, banks, it's my understanding that banks, how about it's not my understanding, it's my certainty. They really care about their reputation. Yeah. You know, if somebody has the capability of, uh, of making them have a reputational hit, they're gonna avoid that. Yeah, yeah. So, so this this is a powerful tool, and yeah, you know, it's going to need a lot of refining and 
as I said, I'm giving myself half a year to try to get this Palestine in the best shape it can be. But the second part of the talk would be, yeah, you know, we've got the interfering with the profit part, but what about the penalty part? Mm-hmm. And the penalty part, and now we're circling back to Taiwan. As far as I can tell, Taiwan seems to be doing the best in the world at the penalty part for it, because in Taiwan, you can't threaten the girl that that you're going to disfigure her or kill her baby brother or whatever uh, if she testifies, because she and her baby brother and anybody who's at risk is in the equivalent of a safe house. Okay. <coughs> and uh, that means that Taiwan. And again, this is as far as I can tell. I'm I'm ready to be fact checked on this, but it seems as if as if Taiwan may have the best arrest and conviction and incarceration rate for traffickers in the world. Really? Yeah, because they from from the head of the country, you know, down to how about the taxpayer? Uh, they're all willing to support spending the money to make it possible. For the witnesses to testify, and mm-hmm. that, that's the missing link. Mm-hmm. In most of the rest of the world, witnesses are just terrified to testify, but Taiwan has figured out a way around this. And again, if I could have this TED talk, like spread, I, I would love to influence people just to demand mm-hmm. that you attack the two sides of the evil equation. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that. I think. Either before or after, we need to find a way to get you. We said it last time to get you on Joe Rogan. I don't think he's ever done a human trafficking episode. Well, do you know by the time, but by the time my voice coach, whom I don't have yet, I'm looking for one, and by the time my TED Talk uh, coach and everybody else who tells me what to do, yeah. by the time, but by the time I'm fed into this meat grinder of perfecting medicine, yeah, yeah. I ought to be one heck of a lot better than I am right now. Nonsense. I think you're great now. But yeah, it's yeah, polish it, fine tune it. I think it will work. I, the it gets it's a, it, back to what you said if it's a 150 billion dollar industry, you're going to be going up against, you know, that we like we talked about last time. But they might not do outright, you know, like try to like you said <laughs> You know, he said, that guy said, you know, what if they kill you? You said, I'm 78 years old. I believe in this cause. I don't care. Do you think that there may be... Now I'm a year older and I care even less. Exactly. Exactly. But... You know, it occurred to me in a moment of, um, I don't know, caffeine-fueled enthusiasm (laughs) that, you know, would I give my life to... I'd give my life for my country. Mm -hmm. Would I give my life for 40 million people who are in effect being tortured yeah oh, i would yeah yeah that, that would make a meaningful life for me yeah if you can yeah if you can find, i mean believe yeah. me i don't want to but if that were the choice uh i wouldn't shrink from it yeah it's no no the goal isn't to have to die it's the willingness <laughs> but no i always love the in a war you you don't want to die you want the other guy too i yeah. want the traffickers to be in yeah. trouble yeah yeah general Patton, who's uh yeah his r-rated you don't want to be the poor to die for his country you want to make the other guy die for his country that's yeah yeah the goal is i want the traffickers in trouble not me yeah but but do you think there's a way is there a way to get the full force like why isn't this being taken on by 
or if it is, is it being taken on secretly, like the United States or the UK, like big first world countries with massive intelligence networks. Why don't you think it's happening with them? Do you okay, think, I yeah. can speak to that okay. because I, I follow that. Let's start with the United Nations. Mm -hmm. They have a goal that by 2030 that we have eliminated human trafficking. So it's, it's a world goal. Mm -hmm. But I've talked with people at the UN who are working on this and they say, so far, you know, even though it's a world goal, we're not anywhere near on track. Yeah. Because, and it's, my impression is it's a funding issue. Mm -hmm. if, if you're going to, I mean, gosh, if I could help raise funds for, well, it's, it's a funding. Okay, now this is my subjective impression from people I've talked sure. with, but I've talked with quite a few. And I do believe it's a funding issue. And then it's, an awareness issue and if we could do something to raise awareness i mean that would help the united nations goal mm -hmm. as for uh, for different countries the the united states actually the, our state department is working very hard on this mm -hmm. it's just the problem seems to be so intractable i mean i've, I've seen the state department reports on human trafficking and I believe the entire. I believe the United States government is committed to doing something about this, mm -hmm. but I don't see it going down. In fact, I've, I, I just did a story for my blog. Well, actually, I did it also for the, uh, the Association of Foreign Press Correspondents. That you would think that COVID nineteen would be slowing trafficking, yeah. not so. It's it's how about it's growing by leaps and bounds during this period, and here's why. Trafficking flourishes when people are vulnerable. And the vulnerability that I've seen estimates that that a billion people are are economically more vulnerable than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And it's it's when you have extreme economic vulnerability or vulnerability of any sort, but let's take let's take economic for the moment. That's the awful situation where Maybe, maybe a family. I, I hope I'm not talking the United States. The, the cases where I know of this are in other countries, but perfectly well happened Probably here. Probably here too. Yeah. Uh, parents have five kids. They can't feed them. They sell one to a trafficker, and that does happen. I mean, if you're economically yeah. vulnerable enough and you cannot feed your family. Yeah, desperate situations calls for desperate responses. And a billion people in, in the world are now more economically vulnerable than, how about catastrophically economically vulnerable? Uh, it's, you know, that encourages trafficking. Yeah, if a billion people are vulnerable, even if only one in a million are so desperate to sell a child, that's still a thousand children. Except that I bet it's, I bet it's one in a thousand, not one in yeah, a million. Yeah, well, then it's a million children. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Okay, may, and then yeah. and then another another side effect of 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 the lockdowns is, in a lot of cases, children are somewhat shielded from trafficking because they they're in contact with a support system like a school or mm -hmm. the school nurses or people. I mean, they're they're not going to catch all of them, but they can slow it down if if. You know, there are a whole lot of eyes on the children who are trying to protect them. 
and th- th- that's gone now. Yeah. Or, or the, for schools that are locked down, that, that social support system is gone. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the, again, the point I was trying to make was I, I had hoped that COVID-19 with social distancing and fear of disease would just squelch trafficking. Not at all. Worse than ever. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's, you know, if you just wanted to take like the, the, the fail-proof approach, it would be, you know, like putting like an RFID tracker like in a dog, so you know where it is, or your phone. But then it's, well, that op- enters the whole of like, what are we? So are we going to chip the human population? Isn't this George Orwell? Like, you know, it's, what's the middle well, ground? In a sense, there are no easy answers. No. However. I do think that the approach of of using the highest of high tech to, to trace money to banks and the name and shame approach of making sure that the trafficker isn't making money out of it, uh, that I mean the traffickers are in it for money. Yeah. And if you can if you can interfere with the money part of it, you're ahead of the game. And by the way, the 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 solutions that that I'm suggesting, I know perfectly well that they're not perfect. Sure. But anything that would slow it down, anything that would cause friction in the system, anything that would cause people to think twice before doing it, if you can slow it down, you're saving millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, the the human ego, we often want the, you know, the kill shot. How am I going to end it by midnight tonight? And it's like, well, we're yeah, probably... Yeah, I, I want yeah. that silver bullet. Yeah, right? We're, well, chances are we're not going to end human trafficking by midnight. But it's it's kind of a weird correlation, but uh, General James Abramson, the uh, the depu- or the head of SDI under Reagan, Star Wars, the lasers in space that would shoot down the... Yeah. His whole thing was... I watched an interview with him last night from the 80s, and he, he said, it doesn't happen in these grandiose leaps and bounds or all of a sudden we have the ability to shoot down soviet missiles he said it happens the way he describes it he goes is they're each they're tiny little bricks maybe it's a radioactive proof microchip maybe it's a new chemical laser maybe it's a new radar but he says the bricks come in and as more bricks come in they start to accelerate the process of bricks coming in he goes there's no big fantastic we did it he goes one day it just starts to you start to realize we're there and I think that's what this approach is, is, is it's the unsexy, like, it's not a silver bullet, right? But it's going to be throw sand in the gear, slow it down, slow it down. And it might take a decade to slow down. But the, I believe that the UN recognizes 2,000 organizations that are working on this. Yeah. And I, I think it would be, I, I've heard a guess that there are 40,000, but maybe there's 100,000 organizations sure. working on it. I mean, sure. who knows? But... I think with so many people working on it, and the more we can cooperate, and the more we can raise awareness, uh, in, in the end, I'm optimistic, but I'm, I'm not seeing silver bullets, except I think that awareness gets us farther along the road. Mm-hmm. Because when people are more aware of it, then they're going to demand more action. Yeah. And you know, my, here, here's something that I would love, and I think I mentioned it last time, but Police departments, a typical police department, I mean, not in a, in a mega city like New York, but a typical police department, I mean, they're really stretched so thin. 
responding to what they've always been responding to. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a new thing, and it takes a lot of money and a lot of skill and expertise to go through the dark web and, and find the traffickers because the traffickers are just excellent at things mm-hmm. like burner phones mm-hmm. or if 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 dates are being made they're not using their own phone no yeah. the girl is using her phone so you can track you can find the girl but you don't find the trafficker yeah it's or the trafficker can be just extremely good at moving and by the way i refer to girls but understand that this could certainly include men as well absolutely but say I mean, just to make it simpler, the speaking part of it, and because it is the majority are certainly girls, the trafficker will move his girl, it will depend how often, but like every week, Mm -hmm. so that by the time a police department is sort of aware of a problem, you know, somebody said, hey, look, this is very suspicious, he's moved to another state. Yeah. And to to leap beyond the ability of the traffickers to hide takes money and it takes technological expertise so i wish that the public would demand that more resources would go to police departments specifically aimed at anti-trafficking and boy that's going to be a hard sell in in a time of asking for police defunding but nevertheless it's law enforcement is the way to provide at least some deterrence to the traffickers because right now as i said less than one and a hundred chances of paying any penalty for doing this but if if police departments had more money and therefore could deploy more resources to catching the bad guys then you'd have a better chance of having somebody think you know maybe this isn't the right career for me i might spend 15 years in jail yeah is or is the move do you put massive monetary rewards on on whistleblowing and or you know, tips, tips that lead to a successful arrest, or even if you really want to go in, you know, go to the old, fa- old West, just go bounty hunter, you know, start, put money in it, fight the, fight the evil equation with money. Be like, Hey, you're part of this thing. If you blow a whistle, you can, you know, maybe get a reduced court sentence. You get a million dollars, but throw all the other guys in jail. That, I think that's the only way to fight money with money, you know, or bounties. Here's a human trafficker. Someone bring us the body, dead or alive. Here's ten million dollars. You know, it it worked back in the Wild West. Maybe that's what we got to do. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to be. Something yeah. because suffering of, involved in the people who are trafficked. Uh, I think it's almost beyond imagination. Yeah. I, I remember telling you about what Dr. Robert Kenpro, the retired head of New York University Medical Center Psychiatry Department, said. Yeah, the permanent depression. But, but I, I'll remind you, because it's still relevant, the uh, the worst depression you've ever had is something that probably has a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. But if you're being trafficked, as long as you're being trafficked, it's that much depression unending yeah. until you die. Yeah. And, and, and the, you know, the, the world's got to stand up and do something about this. There are people suffering on a scale that's just hard to imagine. And it's... It's also what you said that I thought was that really stuck with me was the lifespan is seven years. That's that's insane. Seven years of complete misery. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's not even like it's not like an easy way out. Yeah, it's through suicide or murder or overdose. It's seven years. Like that's, I mean, that's less than a dog. 
The other thing is, consider what it does to the families of, of the people who... Oh, yeah. Can, I mean, imagine yeah. that you're a mother. You'll, you'll never have a happy night again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, 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 the unmeasurable effects it has on society, you know, we can't, we can't look at something like COVID. We can say if someone gets sick, they go home, they give it to someone else. We can track that arguably like somewhat well. But this is something where it's like, how do you measure that? Like, what you know, there, are you what are you measuring everyone in the world's dopamine levels and stress levels and PTSD and sleepless nights and how many of them, you know, how many of them just start drinking every night? Because what I mean, how else do you sleep knowing that your child was kidnapped? Right? You're probably just well, hitting I know, the ball. I, I, I I'm close friends of of like I don't know twenty years with a woman whose daughter was in that situation and. I would say that that my friend never had a peaceful hour in her life. I would believe Thinking, that. Yeah. Yeah. What is going? What's happening to my daughter? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're right because you don't even have closure. You don't know, like, okay, they suffered, but they're di- they died. You they might still be suffering, right? It's you don't know. Actually, you don't know whether they died or not. That's what I mean. It's so, you know, if they died. By that's, the way, yeah. in the case of of my girlfriend, it did have a happy ending. Okay. I think. I think it went on for a couple of years, but eventually um, rescue and rehabilitation. But good Lord, the suffering. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I can't be inside my girlfriend's head, but I, as a normal empathetic person, I could, I could sense that that it's about as bad as you can get. Yeah, it's, yeah, there, it, it's hell on earth. I have to suffer for your child. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it's it's hell on earth. There's there's no it's way. It's hell on earth. Yeah, it's. I gotta wrap this one up in in two minutes, as I said before. You keep looking at the clock. Um, well, but, I want to send people to my website. I was about to say winthisfight.org. So I was gonna say yeah. pl- plug plug it before we wrap it up. Uh, well, please come winthisfight.org because the 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 program is evolving, but I would love to have you be a part of it. And I, I'll make a promise to you. I'll make a promise to anybody listening, which is I will never ask for one minute of your time mm-hmm. more than you want to give. Okay. But people who get involved in this usually find it so satisfying and so fulfilling and so knowing that they are decreasing misery in the world. Mm-hmm. They don't mind yeah, yeah. the work. Oh, the other thing is I, will, I promise to anybody who, who chooses to volunteer, I'll do everything I can to find work that's satisfying for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll explore together what, what your abilities and talents and creativity is. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to do. Yeah. And I want it to be as, as satisfying for you. Yes. As, as possible. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't want it to be uh, teeth pulling, right? Make it, yeah. Make it a, a wonderful experience. I'll do whatever I can. And I, I, I hope I've made it clear that, my podcast is your podcast. This is your platform. As it gets bigger, this is your free platform. This is your. You can consider this. Yeah, you know I want to practice my TED talk on you. I was gonna ask. I was gonna. I wasn't sure if I should ask or not. Is that spoiler? Please do. You can come on do a to practice TED talk. We don't even have to upload it, or we can upload it. I'd love to upload it. No, I to, I, do you know what? I'm dying to share it with with our audience because I would like feedback from it. them. You know, Mitzi, that story fell flat. Or Mitzi, you, you really sounded awfully full of yourself right there. Let's do you it. Got to against that. Let's do it. Uh, you can't reveal the truth on that one. Yeah, let's let's do it. It's because hey, it's it's YouTube. 
No one's pulling any punches. If you can hide behind a fake username, trust me, go look at some of the comments in my videos. No one holds any punches. You get as real feedback as... It's the most raw feedback you can get, for better or worse. <laughs> but how about that's that's what I need? Yes. Because if I'm to do a good job, I need to know what I'm doing wrong. Yes. Because I can't correct it unless I know about it. Exactly. And might as well might as well hear it now as opposed to after a TED Talk, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm aiming for the world. Yes. <laughs> that's so presumptuous of me, but... No, it's, you got to go... But I think the cause is worth being presumptuous. It is. If that's, if, you know, we all have our flaws, it's like you said, you know, think big. Like, I don't, I don't take this podcast like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to do a couple episodes. I set out from the beginning. I set out in December 2019. I was like, I think it will take me by 2030, but I'm going to be bigger than Joe Rogan. And people kind of roll their eyes. And I'm like, you got to have a little bit of healthy ego. You got to, like, but why am I doing this? If I'm just doing this to just do a little podcast, that's fine if that's what someone wants to do. That's not what I want to do. I'm going for the gold medal or I don't want any part of it. So it's, I think there's nothing wrong with going, I want the whole world to know about this. Yeah, you got it. And in your Go case, it. I absolutely believe in you. I Thank know you. that you're going to get it and it's going to be sooner than 2030. I hope so, but it's, it's, thank you, making me blush now. <laughs> but oh, and I, I don't want to make you late for for your fabulous upcoming. Don't podcast. don't don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I will too. It's somebody fabulous. It's it's. I don't know how I'm going to top it. I might. I'm actually kind of nervous. I might have to just end the podcast after that because how do I top <laughs> that? But don't spoil it, Mitzi. It'll be up soon enough. Everyone listening. Oh, thank right. you very much, Mitzi Purdue. Thank you very much. Winthisfight.org. It'll be in the top comment and in the description. Do your part to help end human trafficking and stop these demons from bringing their hell to earth. Mitzi Purdue, thank you so much. And until next time, stay safe. God bless. Thank you, Mitzi. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.